So I have been lying to myself as the title suggests. And the worst thing about this, when I realised more recently that this was playing out in my mind, I realised it's the same lie that I have been telling myself for decades. And that makes me a little bit sad and a little bit nervous about sharing this with you because this does serve me as a bit of a confessional kind of thing, right? When I put it out there, there's kind of no turning back. And by declaring what I'm going to do about it, you know, all eyes are on me for accountability, if you like. But I only ever do this and share my story because I really want you listening to go, oh, shit, do I do that to myself? Is that something I've been lying to myself about? Or where have I been lying to myself all this time? So I only ever share anything on this show because I hope it gives you something to think about. I hope it opens your eyes and broadens your horizons in terms of getting you to think in ways that you haven't done before now. So I wanted to preface it with that because this is far from indulgent reasons for me actually sharing this, although there is that confessional piece to it. So let me not leave you in suspense of what the lie is and and stick with me because there is depth to this that I think you will understand. So I've been running this narrative, this story, this thought loop in my mind that I have nothing to say. And right now that's been playing out in, well, I have nothing to say on my podcast. Like I have no posts that I have coming through me. I have no inspiration. I have nothing I want to create. I did that all last year. I have no one else I want to speak to guest wise. I have nothing to say. And what that has led to is me sitting in a bit of inaction. So I haven't been showing up as much as I could have done, as much as I have done in the past. I took a big break from the show. And if you look at my social media, you'll see there was a clear absence from me in November, December, and even the beginning of January. And that didn't sit comfortably with me, but I kind of gave myself a lot of permission to sit with, was I just telling myself some bullshit excuse to protect myself from showing up and potentially not getting likes and comments, not getting listens and downloads, you know, not getting acknowledgement and validation for what I have to say, or was I genuinely going through a dry patch? So I allowed myself that space and time and the conclusion I got to only in the last week or so is that I have plenty to say. In fact, I have so much to say. Like I feel like I'm bursting at the seams sometimes. I gave myself permission to just start sharing the stuff that's going on for me. Hence, you know, we're back with the podcast. I'm posting again, I am showing up on my stories in ways that are not just sharing my daily dog walks, my daily dose of nature, right? And what that's made me realise is, like I said, I have plenty to say. 
sometimes I really struggle to keep up with my inspiration. So I've started keeping notes of like ideas of things I want to talk about. I've started to make a bit of a plan for the podcast shows. I want to do more solo shows. But the thing is, and this is what sort of hit me a little bit in the gut, is this is the same lie I've told myself throughout my career. I remember sitting in meetings, even in, you know, team meetings with my teammates or like leadership team meetings where I was with other team leaders. It didn't matter what level it was at. It could have been that level or it could have been, you know, board member levels. I can remember running the narrative of I have nothing to say. Don't make eye contact because if they ask me what I think, I have nothing to say. And guess what? When I was so up in my own head about having nothing to say, I wasn't in the room. I wasn't listening to the conversation. I wasn't fully there. I wasn't fully present in the room, in the conversation. I was in my head. I was second guessing what I needed to say, what I needed to show up as, like what I needed to contribute. And none of that was from a place of grounded presence in the room and trusting what was coming up for me. It was all up in my head. And when I remember back to the time in my career and the last kind of two years really stands out because I took a promotion, I was at director level, I was in the room with members of the board, our CEO, I was in high level conversations. I was my most anxious ever. So whilst I knew I was overthinking things, I didn't know that there was another way. I didn't realise that that wasn't how it had to be. I just didn't know what I didn't know. And a couple of examples spring to mind. Um, One was uh, an innovation meeting that I got invited to. And I never considered myself innovative, like an ideas person. I was the builder. Give me an idea and I'll build it out. I'll put it into action. I'll make it happen. I will build on your idea. And I was relied on for that. I Many of my roles were project management roles because give me a concept, give me a, we want to achieve this thing. And I will step by step, come up with a plan, put a team in place. I will inject energy into this thing coming alive and I will make it happen. Yet what tends to happen in the corporate environment is that they kind of expect you to be jacks of all trade. And there was a big innovation culture that was starting to brew across the insurance industry, which is what I was in, because like historically insurance hadn't been particularly innovative. And so I was in one of these meetings and our local CEO of the UK was there. And I just felt very under the spotlight. And I hadn't had much to say, funnily enough, in this brainstorming session that we'd had so far. It was on something around boiler insurance, which I'd had nothing to do. I'd been in life and health forever, right? So I had no experience. So I kind of had shut myself down and taken myself out of the game already. Um, But in the back of my mind, there was this thought about, well, what if a boiler was to explode? Like, 
Is there insurance for that? And then the next thought would be, don't be so stupid. You can't say that out loud. What if they laugh at you? What if they, that, that's just the most ridiculous thing that they've ever heard? Even though, you know, in these meetings, it's like, there's no stupid idea. Everything's valid. All that. You kind of don't necessarily always feel that that's the case. You don't feel safe in bringing anything to the table. Anyway, I shit you not, within five minutes, less than that, the CEO of the UK said the exact same thing. What if a boiler was to explode? What Could that be an add-on? Could there be a life insurance element on that? You know, should there be some fatalities as a result of it? And there's me sitting there going, hang on a minute, did you just steal that idea from my head? I just had that thought. And then what happens? Then I spend the next 48 hours kicking myself and not saying the thing that I had on the tip of my tongue. I just wouldn't open my mouth to allow it to fall out. Because I had too many of the doubts rolling around in my head. There was, I've got many, many examples like this, but another one that sticks out was um, I was on a training course. It was completely like role, not role play, but an enforced kind of scenario that we were playing out. And I was the CEO. I was the appointed CEO in this exercise. And I had come into this room where this team were discussing something and there was a little bit of um, an atmosphere and I sensed it straight away. And I'm like, you know, almost like, is it your shackles go up on the back of your neck and you're like, oh, I can sense something's not right. It's almost like that deer that's just been eating grass and nice foliage that's sort of all of a sudden stood to attention because they can feel eyes on them. It was that kind of feeling. And as this conversation ensued, I wasn't hearing what they were saying I was really sensing what was not being said. I was sensing that elephant in the room. And in my mind, I was going, it's glaringly obvious to me what is going on. There is tension between that person and that person. This is not being said. This is not being addressed, etc. Yet, I am now having a hot flush from the inside out because... I'm not saying the thing that I believe from a body knowledge wisdom point of view to be true because my head is now going don't be ridiculous that is not founded in any data listen to what they're saying stop trying to be clever you can't say that nag 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 get the picture right anyway the facilitator was witnessing this and actually stopped the whole scenario playing out and came to me and said Emma what are you thinking (laughs) she could obviously see that I was sat there like having this battle in my mind and I and she and I sort of gave her an answer and she said no what were you what were you sensing what were you picking up on and it almost gave me that opportunity that opening to just go there we were playing with this right it should have been safe enough and I I did. I said, well, I feel like the elephant in the room is this. I feel like this is going on between you two. This is what's not being said. And everyone was like, oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, you're right. And nothing bad came of it. And in fact, the facilitator took me to one side afterwards and said, you know, you 
what you did there was something not a lot of people have the skill to do. You picked up on the feelings in the room. You were like a very much a barometer for what was going on, for the temperature in the room. And you called it, but you weren't going to, were you? And that's when I had a conversation with her and actually ended up in tears because I was admitting to someone probably for the first time about that battle that was going on in my head. Don't say it. Now go on, you, you must say it. No, don't say it. You'll look stupid, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's not a laughing matter. But I chuckle at myself now because it feels like I've come so far. Yet, here I am repeating history in my business when I've done so much unravelling and unlearning and working through those anxieties and understanding what's going on in my brain and understanding how to work with that, right? Here I am still coming up against the same thing. I was hiding then and I'm still to an extent hiding now. I was playing small back then and still I continue to play small now. So if actually the truth of the matter is I have plenty to say and always have had. I just haven't allowed myself to say it, to share it, to suggest it. Then what's going on? So I I tend to look at what am I afraid of? And I've kind of touched on this. Am I afraid that I'll get it wrong? I'll say something stupid. I'll get shut down. um, I'll get ignored. I'll get scoffed at, people will judge me, people will talk about me behind my back. They're all kind of fears that come up. That's potentially what I'm afraid of. But where did that come from? And I really encourage you to go on a similar pilgrimage, if you like, with your own lies that you might that might be revealing themselves to you now, right? What's the truth of the matter? What are you afraid of? And where did that come from? Because the chances are, and I think this is what many of us, especially when we get to a nice coming of age, say 40 years old, (laughs) um, we kind of don't give our childhood enough credit for making us who we are today. And actually, our most formative years between the ages of like naught to seven is when our a big part of who we are today was formed and I don't know about you but when I realize that I understand that perhaps there is some programming that was made back then that needs to be updated (laughs) right it's almost like we're operating on old programming from the days of the first computers where does this I have nothing to say come from from I mean for me it comes from that time in school when the teacher picked me out to stand up and spell Tutankhamun and I got it wrong and the whole classroom laughed at me it comes from the time when my pet one of my parents shut me down because they weren't in the mood for hearing whatever it was that I had to to say. It comes from the time when I was at a friend's house 
and had never seen a boy's penis before because I had a sister, not a brother. And when I asked what the thing was, the the mum made me feel so ashamed of asking the question that I daren't speak out again. Not to her anyway. It came from the time when I stood up for myself with a peer at school at the age of 14, 15, and I got punched in the eye. It came from the time when I said, no, I didn't want to kiss a boy, and he continued to kiss me. It came from the time I told the truth and I was called a liar. It comes from all of these times growing up through those formative years of our life into our teens and it we internalise it, we take it in and we make it mean something about ourselves. And for me, I made all those times I was shut down and shut off that I had nothing to say. And that played out in my career and it's playing out in my business. And I say that once you see something for what it is, you can't unsee it and therefore you have a choice. I now have a choice to continue allowing that narrative to play out for me, to continue buying into the bullshit that I've been telling myself. That is actually, you know, when you think about it, not a bad protective mechanism. But I can continue to listen to it or I can choose a different narrative. I can choose to interrupt that pattern. I can choose to try on a different thought process. And what I found to be the most effective tool for overcoming this is to take action. (laughs) All right, so let's just liken this to another thought cycle that I've realized recently. Um, And if you listen to my last episode, you will have heard me talk about this tendency to say, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, And I won't go back over where that cycle comes from, but the only way I can counteract that and not wait and keep putting things off until tomorrow is to do things today. It's to do the thing I'm putting off until tomorrow today. It's to take action. Action and inaction are two sides of the same coin. I get to choose, do I sit in inaction or do I take action? And do I take that action now? And I think for me, when I hear this, I have nothing to say. What I'm choosing to replace that with is a thought that says, say it, say the thing, share the idea, suggest the thing, just say it. Say it and it will land on someone's ears and do you know what? It doesn't matter whatever happens next because your voice carries value. Your voice is worthy of being spoken in this world and whether or not anyone hears it, there is freedom in voicing whatever is coming up for you, whatever your truth is. And truth sounds very different to the voice of anxiety. 
and this is actually a big part of the work I do with the women that come to work with me, be it through my programs, um, my groups or my one-to-one, and that is to really discern the difference between that programmed belief and that core truth and follow the latter every time. It's helping them get out of their heads and into the world. You can find out more about my various offers at my website, which is emmaclaytonxo.com. And in the meantime, I would just leave you with that question. Like, where are you lying to yourself? What are the stories you're telling yourself day in, day out that are holding you back from showing up as the truest version of yourself? Unapologetically you. Until next time. Thank you.